1: And now, live from six seventy, the score. It's Gabe Ramirez and Mark Grody on six seventy, the score in Odyssey Station.
0: Three,
1: that's the magic number. Morel going to third. He will slide. He's got it's a, a triple.
0: Number. Rose trying to get open, fires away. It's over. The
1: that's Bulls good. win. That's the buzzer. That's a magic number. Gabe Ramirez, right here on six seventy, the score. So glad you guys are hanging out with me. Unfortunately, there's no Grody. You know, my shows are always hovering around a six, six and a half on Mark Grody. Nine. Solid nine. Occasionally, we bump up to a ten when we're getting real wild. But unfortunately, today, uh, Mark Grody did his thing already on uh, on the clock. That was a pretty cool segment right there. I got a chance to hear that if you missed it. Uh, make sure you check out the Odyssey app. But I am here, Gabe Ramirez. Going to be hanging out with you till nine o'clock. So, you know, settle in a little bit. If you're on a long ride, just, you know, switch over to the HD2 channel. We're going to hang out for a bit. Uh, But we're going to start the show the way we always do. I call it the trifecta. These are the top three stories that have been kind of lurking in my brain all day long. Number three.
0: Sebi Zavala right center field, and that is that. Wilp. How about that one? Yeah, that was some series. Not the way you wanted to end. The Sox take 1 of 3 and it's on to Pittsburgh. They'll forget about this one as we very hot Pittsburgh Pirates tomorrow.
1: White Sox, not of course. Surprisingly, the White Sox lose 16 to 6 today. Sox are favored to win this one. They were at minus 120 with Lance Lynn on the bump. The assumption was that he's going he was pitching well. Pitching well from the WBC. Pitching well, you know, from the beginning of the season and that, you know, this outing I mean, let me let's be clear, right? Like the San Francisco Giants remind me of the Twins of like six, seven years ago, where you're like who, who, who as you're going down the lineup, but then they play baseball the right way, right? Like they have some power in the middle of the lineup, guys that are capable of it, like a Conforto. They also have you know just scrappy guys that can get on base and you know just what did they, what what was the what did they call them? Oh, text somebody text in. 312, 644, 67, 67. They weren't, they didn't call them like gnats. It was something in particular that, a nickname that was given to the Minnesota Twins, them being so pe- pesky. Uh, either way, uh, that's what the San Francisco Giants remind me of in this particular series. Lamont Wade, Wilmer Flores, Jock Peterson showed why, you know, the White Sox were so high on him to begin with. David Villar, again, like I mentioned, Michael Conforto with his home run. JD Davis smacking bombs today. Mike Estremsky doing the same. And then Blake Sable, a guy was batting like, like 0.097 going into the series. Got two home runs. Just didn't feel right, but it was very reminiscent of last season, right? Like this Sox team where the assumption is they're just better than everybody else. You go through the lineup, and I'm starting to realize that it's more of my my homerness than it is anything else. You know, when you're familiar with the team, you have a certain love for players. Or not even, not even love for them, but expectations and, and what kind of standard you hold them to in your mind. And I feel like that's exactly what's happening right now with the White Sox. Last year, this year, the assumption is that they're just so good. Everybody, Tim Anderson, oh my God. And I do love Tim Anderson. Now, I do think he's that good. Luis Roberts, same thing. Andrew Vaughn. Like Jake Berger, when he had his first hit and it just, he crushed it at like 116 miles per hour exit velocity. Second to Giancarlo Stanton. I've been praising Jake Berger for years now, and then he gets up and he does like. But that was his one hit of the game. He just wanted just a little bit more. Uh, Either way, uh, the the big story, of course, Lance Lynn, four and a third, nine hits, gave up nine or excuse me, gave up eight runs, eight of them earned. Three walks, had five strikeouts, but gave up three home runs. That was the killer right there. And then Hanser Alberto getting another inning of relief, playing third base and getting. That's his second time coming on. Um, that situation, and I do remember Jason Benetti and Steve Stone. They pointed out the fact that with the new rules, you either have to be, you know, up by eight runs or down by ten in the ninth. One of those two things has to apply. So uh, clearly, that was the case as the White Sox lose sixteen to six. Number two. Number two story. I know Grody touched on it a second, but the Bears signed Rasheem Green. Um, so the reason why this is. Cause you have to put yourself as a Bears fan, you say to yourself, Okay, is this you know some more Dominique Robinson? Is this more you know Alex Leatherwood, where you're just bringing in guys to just be bodies? and you're not necessarily sure because you, you know that's what happened last year. But I mean, this guy's a little bit different. Rasheem Green, here's some stats on him 6'4, 279. All right, so you fit the mold, so to speak. He's 25, so it's not like you're bringing in some 30 year old, 35 year old. He's played for five years in the league, so he has some you know, some veteranness ness under his belt. Went to USC, played his first four years in Seattle, and then his last year with Houston. So the one thing you can bank on with Rasheen Green is that he's reliable. In 2021, he played all 17 games, and that was actually his best season. He had six and a half sacks that year with Seattle. And then last season, he suited up uh, for 16 games for the Houston Texans. And granted, they had a crappy squad, but hey, hey, Houston, Texas came through, got us that number one pick, though, baby. So you can't be too upset at them. And their defense obviously played well in that last game. Good enough, that is. So, again, another rotational guy. I mean, just filling in the roster, not a splash signing. You know, not many guys that are out there can be that at this point. But, you know, adding to the roster. And, and, you know, I did something uh, yesterday, a studio live on the Odyssey app. And I talked about the Bears brass and – you know, I played a lot of audio from Ryan Poles, Matt Ibraflus, Kevin Warren. And, you know, they're very confident where they sit at the number nine spot. What kind of talent is out there that they really are going to be able to, to you know, get the squad where it needs to be, especially on the in the trenches d- via the draft. So I'm, I'm going to be excited to see it. Of course, the draft's only 21 days away, guys. 21 days until you will be incessantly searching YouTube for highlights of players that might not make the team. Don't worry. I do it, too. Number one. And for the fans in Milwaukee that have remained here, they love this because their Bucks
0: battled and battled. It would have been easy for them, Bill, when they trailed by 10. to yep. mailed it in, but they didn't. Nope. And, and that's the strong leadership that Drew Holiday has uh, for this team, and what Brook Lopez does for off gives them, and Bobby Portis.
1: Ball game over. Bucks win it, one hundred five ninety two. That's not the Chuck, that's not the Chuck Swirsky I like. I gotta be honest. Even that that didn't even make me feel good right there. Chuck Swirsky, Bill Wenington on the call. Of course, Bulls games can all be heard here on six seventy. The score, but Bulls fall to the Milwaukee Bucks yesterday, one hundred five ninety two. What was frustrating about this, as they mentioned, the Bulls had a lead in this one, and it seemed that you know. I guess the most frustrating part is this is the second time they lost to the Bucs without Giannis. Earlier in the season, it was embarrassing. This time around, I guess either team didn't have much to play for. Can you sneak into the, you know, ninth, eighth spot? Yeah, but you're two games down. So it's like there's only three games left. And you got to play Dallas on Friday. Like, it's tough. It's tough. The Bucs already settled into where they're at. So they really don't need to play Giannis. So there wasn't that much of it there. But after losing to Atlanta, the assumption was that the Bulls would come in and play their little hearts out. But that wasn't necessarily the case. Uh, that one was frustrating. I mean, there was some some standouts. mean had 21. DeMar DeRozan only had eight points yesterday on three for 12 shooting. I, I, I talked about it in the beginning of the season and, and, and even last year where I said, you know, everybody's like, oh, DeMar, 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 DeMar. And I'm like, yo. He's older, and it's no shade of him in his age, because I'm older. I'm older than DeMar. But it's more so, like, there has to come a point where there's a passing of the torch. And it didn't happen voluntarily. Where Zach Levine has been and how he's played over the last month or so and where DeMar DeRozan has been and where he's played, it's kind of happening naturally. And so... Not saying that yesterday was, you know, highlighting that, but going into next season when you're talking about who you want to build this team around and who you want to have on the roster, you got to be looking at, you know, at Zach and Vooch, man. I can't, I can't say it enough. Vooch, 21 points, 11 rebounds. Zach, 13 points, terrible. Uh, seven assists, only shot one, from eight, one for eight from the three-point line. I know that hurt Alyssa Berger, Minnie's three-point player prop. I was following it. Alyssa, don't worry. I was there. Uh, Kobe White continued to play well, six for 10 from the field, 14 points. And then uh, on the other side, it's almost as if when Giannis is not playing, you can almost predict who is going to play well. Brooke Lopez is always going to have a killer game, and then Bobby Portis is going to come out and act a fool, which he did. Twenty-seven points, thirteen rebounds, had a steal as well. Uh, Drew Holiday had fifteen assists, twenty points. I mean, they really, they really played well. Javon Carter, obviously a Chicago guy, sixteen points, and then Wesley Matthews and Joe Ingles, guys that kill the Bulls consistently. Um, you know, play well off the bench. Seven points and nine points, respectively, for those two guys. So, uh Bulls next game again Friday right here on 670 The score versus the defunctional Dallas Mavericks. So, I don't know. We'll see how that one goes. All right. That's a magic number. That is your trifecta, ladies and gentlemen. It's Gabe Ramirez, 670 to score, broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Uh Got to shout out everybody listening on the Odyssey app. Like I mentioned yesterday, It's not just, you know, it sounds so like, oh, download this app so you can listen to, I mean, yeah, that's one part of it. But I can't stress it enough. The Odyssey app has a ton of other stuff on it. One, again, like I've always said, you can listen to the podcast version of every day part here on 670, The Score, and Hall, Bernstein, Holmes, and Rahimi, Parker's and Spiegel, my show as well, Gabe Ramirez. You can get that. You can get exclusive content. Like, Mark Grody and I, we do a bunch of these go lives where we just randomly pop up on the app and talk about the bears or talk about the bulls and if you follow the station you get these notifications where you can get this exclusive content and then you know like i mentioned yesterday i was on during the cubs game just you know if you if something breaking happens or you want some extra information about your teams you know we do things like that as well so the odyssey app uh, not only do we here at the score but you know also you know all of our stations across the country so something you want to check out and then uh, most certainly got to shout out everybody listening on the 104.3, my HD2 crew, where we're coming in loud and clear. All right. I want to play this one clip. And this is something that Kendall Gill was talking about after the game. And it had to do with Patrick Williams and where he sees him in these next couple of games moving forward.
0: So I hope he is in the starting lineup. I mean, he will. He's played pretty good basketball over the last two games. Um, you know, we just we just need the consistency out of him. You know, and Toronto we have to deal with their length. Uh, you know, I, I love Caruso, but you know, when the, when the game is on the line and it's you know one and one and out, you know you got to go with the bigger guys. I feel so. I'm hoping that uh, P Will is in the starting lineup. I know they held uh, Alex out last night, but you know P Will I, I believe needs
1: to be in there. And I think it's for for multiple reasons, and that's where I wanted to live before we go to break. Uh, I think you know, listen, where Pat will is at, and what he's done since being moved to the bench, has really been. I mean, if you're a Bulls fan and you've been watching the the growth of Patrick Williams, it it is very much a uh, sigh of relief, where you see the aggressiveness where when he's in with the starting group, it's hard for him to willingly take the ball and impose his will on defenders because he's worried about what Zach or DeMar, which or you know, what they're going to be thinking because they're not getting the rock in particular situations. But when he's been with the second unit, which let's remind ourselves, that's where he operated in Florida state when he played that season there, you know, he, he has this, this, this different confidence. And it's almost scary where Pat will goes to the cup and will, without fear, try to dunk on you every time. I love that about Patrick Williams. When he gets that, that cross-court pass where he's hovering around the three-point line, he's shooting it with zero hesitation. And so when you have to defend the three because you know he can make it, and then you got to stop his drive to the rim where he can literally rise above you and just crush your soul, that's what we've been waiting for. Just, and and and, and granted, the, the field goal percentage is not necessarily where we would like it to be, right? I do love Pat Will's mid-range game also. When he does drive to the cup and he creates a little bit of space, he has zero problem pulling up from 15 and making it. I have confidence in that shot. So you're you're scoring from all three levels, which is really good. And again, the field goal percentage might not be there, but it's the confidence in which he's doing it with. That, as Bulls fans, is what we've been waiting for. And so I agree with Kendall wholeheartedly that not only do I want him in the starting lineup right now because he's earned it, but against the Toronto Raptor team that the Bulls more than likely are going to be playing in that first round unless they flip-flop with Atlanta, um, he's going to need to be there, and he's going to have to impose his will as he's been doing for these last couple of games. But you know what? We get to talk to somebody else and continue this Bulls conversation. After the break, we got Joe Cowley from the Chicago Sun-Times. He's going to hang out with us. Does he think the Bulls will play more than one game after the 82? I guess we'll get his answer after the break. Don't go in.
0: Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music.
1: You said my word.
0: And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.
1: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medella, is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor, you are a fighter, and Medella is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly, beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Where It's Gabe Ramirez right here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. DeRozan lowers that left shoulder on a
0: post-up double pump. Leans in. Baker got it on the right block from five feet. DeMar DeRozan with his first field goal in nine attempts.
1: Wow. We're back live with more Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score. Another sole start for the Chicago Bulls. Plagued them as they took on the Milwaukee Bucks yesterday and they fell 105-92. Uh, it is Gabe Ramirez, and we get to extend this conversation a bit more about the Chicago Bulls team uh, with my guy right now joining us on the uh, Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline. Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Uh, he does sports for the Chicago Sun-Times, of course. One of our good friends here at 670 The Score, Joe Cowley. Joe, are the Bulls going to play more than 83 games?
0: <laughs> wow, you just right off the bat, huh? You know, I could we uh, could do
1: small pleasantries, Joe, but I just figured let's get that part out of the way.
0: <laughs> no, no, I like it. I like it. No, I, I mean, look, this, this team is Jekyll and Hyde, inconsistent as it comes. I mean, I could see them rattling off two games and getting to uh, Milwaukee in, the, in that in that playoff series. So um, nothing would surprise me. You just, I mean, that that's the issue with this team. You don't know kind of what you're going to get. Now, once they they if if they do get out of the play in and become that first team ever to do it from the ten spot, um, it's dead team walking after that. Milwaukee will do what Milwaukee does to most teams. So um, it's just kind of prolonging the inevitable.
1: Yeah, and that's how I feel too where I'm like, you know, if if you just you can you can cheer for them to try to get the eighth or you know, or you can cheer for those things, but when you look into your crystal ball and you see where they're headed after that, it's just like, oh, so they're going to play a couple extra games and then that's just that's just what it is. But why why do you think that they are so inconsistent, Joe? I mean, what what could you point to? I mean, outside of Lonzo ball, right? A lot of people could just, you know, try to just throw that one out there, but for you, I mean, they're still there. I mean, you heard Bernstein talking about earlier that the three guys have been on the floor longer than any trio, you know, in the NBA, and still their record remains. So, what can you what can you point to as far as the inconsistencies?
0: Oh, uh, they don't fit any longer. Um, you know, le- the last year they fit a lot better because Zach, whether it was the knee or whether he would just bow down to the vet and DeMar DeRozan, um, he kind of knew his role as that, that kind of Robin. Um, but you know, when you get paid like Batman and you think you're Batman. Um, There's been too much, you know, your turn, my turn um, this season. You know, obviously, and then the other thing too right now is DeMar's going through it with his hip injury. I I don't think people know how bad the hip really is for DeMar. Um, I think he's been playing with it for most of the second half. Um, And on some nights it flares up and he's just in a lot more pain than than other nights. And, um, you know, he doesn't complain. You know, I've talked to him privately when we've been on the road and, just sitting around BSing with him. And, you know, it's been, a, it's been an issue. I think he would like to uh, heal up and kind of see where he is. And, man, it's, a, it's an injury that needs time to heal up. Um, so we're not really seeing the guy that we saw last year that was able to play hero ball when they needed him most in the fourth quarter. Um, so that means a lot of it falls on Zach. And, you know, he's just not that guy in, in, in clutch situations. Um, you look at his numbers historically, he's never been that guy. You know, you look at last minute, last couple minutes of a game, of a three-point game, go ahead and run the numbers. They're not great. Um, he gets loose with the ball. He gets loose with his decision-making. So, um, you know, I think that's been the biggest issue is you don't have a fully healthy DeMar DeRozan, but also roles have changed in their own minds of, of what they are and what they should be doing in, in crunch time.
1: Yeah, it's, un- it's unfortunate, I mean, because you, you have seen it work. And when it, when it does work, it's beautiful. They're moving the ball well. You know, the assist to field goal ratio is there. They're crashing the boards. I mean, it, it, it looks right. It's just unfortunate that they can't keep it up for that long. Um, let's talk about DeMar DeRozan for a second, Joe. Because, you know, when you see his game, you know, trying to in, insert him on another team, if we're to play that, you know, for a second, it, it's hard because he's not going to be that superstar guy that's going to lead your team to a championship. But he, he can be a piece and, and and so clearly he's not fitting in for the Chicago Bulls but what team could like obviously you know you like DeMar so when when you look at the, the the NBA the landscape of the NBA what what team do you think his game can fit into well
0: he would have been the perfect piece for the Lakers until and, and thought he was going there until they decided that Russ Westbrook was available and they'd rather have him which was you know a huge mistake that that put they're uh, their last two years behind and, and, you know, obviously they had to make their moves at the, at the trade deadline and it's still a team that's getting used to Joe, but that would have been a perfect fit because you got a big and AD that can, they can play from inside or outside. And you have LeBron who, you know, I mean, went through an injury and, and, and need some downtime. So you need that guy that is, can, can stagger with that second unit and give you 26, 27 points and kind of bid, been that mid-range assassin, and I think the Lakers. You know, obviously they're not built on three-point shooting. They're like the Bulls; um, they're not a very good three-point shooting team. And I think Demar would have given them a, the perfect mid-range score that would have helped with with LeBron and AD. And um, to me, they'd be a much bigger threat in the West if they would have gone that route, like you know, like Demar thought they were going to until it changed at the last minute. So, you know, that's the team that that comes to mind right away. Um, but but I think there's. You know, I, I think there's other places. He he definitely fits because you know what you're going to get from him. And I, I would like to see him actually work as as that second option where he doesn't have to be that first option because uh, I just think his game would be more tailored to, to a team that's making a deeper playoff run. So I think there's a lot of fits for him. Um, you know, unfortunately, he's the best player the Bulls have had the last two years in, in totality. Um, and I, I just don't know if he's – that kind of guy that leads a team to a championship.
1: Yeah, with the Lakers, that would have been great because LeBron really doesn't care if someone else is scoring a bunch of points. He knows that he can facilitate, he can score if he needs to. But he 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 doesn't mind being passive in those moments, and and obviously Demar's a walking bucket, so he would have loved that to just been like, sure, go ahead, shoot your your fifteen footer, and then and watch I just sit back and grab a rebound. I look at other teams across the NBA because because this is uh, something that I think about often. I know probably way more than I should, but I'm like, damn, where would Demar fit if like if you see his game and you know what he thinks he can do, and then I look at teams like Philadelphia. Right where they have, you know. Yeah, I
0: think he, he fits in Philly. I think he. I think he fits in a lot of places. I mean, the the death of the mid range has been highly over exaggerated. Um, it's it, it's it's needed, especially in the playoffs. You know, first of all, they're gonna they're, they're gonna crowd the three point line a lot more in the playoffs. Secondly, you're taking the basket out a lot more. You're not getting the transition, so you have to get an offensive of sets, and that's where he's at his best. I mean, the game slows down in the postseason. So his game is more tailored towards that and, and that type of basketball. Now, obviously, you need some guys that can defend around him. You got to cover up some of his flaws, um, like you do a lot of these Bulls players. But you know, come postseason, I, I don't think there's a team he doesn't fit, and uh, just yeah. because of the style of play it turns into. So you know, regular season you could debate that, you know, you know left and right. I mean, would he fit in Golden State in the regular season? Probably not. <laughs> I mean, you know, it just it's just not what they what they like to do. But at the same time. Come postseason when you need that 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 big bucket that mid range mid range break your heart in the postseason. Oh, yeah. I mean, you look at what Kawhi's done in the postseason and Chris Paul. I mean, just
1: guys that do that consistently. Yeah,
0: CJ McCullough had a nice run with yeah. with his mid range in the postseason a couple of years ago. So it, it, it's it's alive and well come playoff basketball.
1: It'll be good to see. Uh, we're talking to Joe Collie here on six seventy the score. I'm Gabe Ramirez uh, talking about these Chicago Bulls and, and what to make of them. As they fall to the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, one hundred five ninety two. It the, the most I can't figure out what's more frustrating: is it losing to a to a an under five hundred team that's young and athletic, or using or losing to a top team in the league that doesn't have their star players? Which one is which one is more frustrating for you when you're watching no, this? No, no. <laughs> to me, the whole damn season been frustrating. <laughs> right, I mean, right,
0: this right. wasn't this wasn't what anyone signed up for. This wasn't what Arturis put down as, as the bar um, on media day when he said, you know, the bar was getting to the second round of the playoffs, at least. That's, that's obviously, you know, it could still happen, but I, I'd be shocked. Um, it, you know, the development of some of the guys hasn't, hasn't come to fruition um, as quickly as some people would like. Um, that threesome that we talked about of Demar and Zach and and, and Boots have had their moments and have had their games where you go, oh my goodness, look at this, this is this is what it's supposed to look like, and then it disappears. So the whole season's been frustrating. Um, and and where are you going? I mean, that's the big question. You know, to me, the biggest frustration was them putting their head down at the trade deadline, not making a move and then deciding a couple of days later to sign Patrick Beverly <laughs> and to still make this, this, this meaningless playoff push, because that's what it is. in the NBA, if you're where the bulls are, you're in hell. And, and then you don't even have a first round pick um, to get. And, you know, if they lose, it would be a, a late lottery, but they don't even have that. So it isn't like there's a, there's an easy way out. So, you know, I, I would have I would have rolled the dice on that 42% and tried going for that and keeping that top 4 pick. You know, I like the top 3 guys in this draft. Um so, you know, you never know, but to me that would have been a a way where you try changing this immediately. Now there's a 60% chance you, you wouldn't have gotten it, but what do you got now? I mean, yeah. where, where are you heading with this?
1: I play roulette often, so I love those odds, Joe. I have zero problem there with, you that, go. with that. that 40% See? right there. Um you know, I I look at AK and I look at the the predicament that he's in, and you know when you're looking at you know from on a macro level like where he's at in the the the, the lifeline of being the GM, it's you came in initially and you fixed things fine, but now you have mm-hmm. your guys, and so you, you look at that trade deadline and the inability to make moves, and yeah, sure, granted, maybe you weren't getting the return that you wanted because you placed a certain value on on those individuals, but. You know, you, you, do you feel like he just fell in love with his guys a little bit too much during that during that time? Because he's um, finally in that position, you know, a GM that you know he, these are the guys right. that I traded for; these are the guys I signed for. And I don't know. I, I still believe it. You know,
0: this off season will will answer that question. I think. I mean, if he tries riding this continuity stuff into next year, <laughs> then uh, I think we have our answer. Um, and again, we'll have to see what he's able to do. I mean, there's going to be some tough decisions that have to be made just because of when you look financially where they are and knowing the reputation that they don't go over the luxury tax or they don't go over the tax threshold. Um, rarely have they done that. Um, then so I or Kobe, you got to pick, you, you probably got to pick one. Um, are you bringing Vooch back? How much are you bringing Vooch back for? Um, if you do let Kobe go to market, are if it's three years, say three years, 36, three years, 38. Are you going to match that? Um, Because he is restricted. So uh, there's tons of things that they have to address in their own house. Um, Do they try and move off of Zach and, and replenish draft picks and get an expiring contract and, and try and uh, rebuild this thing on on the fly, knowing you have one more year of DeMar. And if you could re-up boots, Um, do you try and, you know, put more of a focus on Patrick Williams and, and, and guys like that? So, um, yeah, we're we're going to find out a lot about Arturis and 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 what he thinks about his own product and his his own moves this off season because it's kind of you know do it or get off the pot. I mean that's where we are with this front office right now. I mean so the the luster's off the honeymoon's been over.
1: Yeah, can't wait to see the moves either. I got to be very honest. We're talking to Joe Colley from the Chicago Sun Times, Gabe Ramirez here on 670 The Score. All right, enough about the Bulls. I really want to pick your brain about these NBA playoffs. I feel like the Western Conference, I'm just going to be glued to the TV every single night watching these games right. because of the matchups. Who do, you, who do you favor in either the East or the West coming out of their respective divisions? What teams do you like right now?
0: I mean, with everyone healthy. We're, we're, I mean, so... Look, I mean, Miami's playing right now against Philadelphia. Miami's a dangerous team. Do I see Miami getting to the Eastern Conference Finals? No. But if they stick at seven and and, and earn that play-in game, you know, they have Boston the first round. That's a really tough draw for Boston. Um, so we saw what that series was last year. And so, um, you know, that would be interesting. I think Milwaukee's the best team in the East when all parts are together. Um, you tough, know, Boston's Tough news about right the Chris there.
1: Middleton thing, huh?
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, 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 that it, I mean, I, they, I think they're kind of getting used to life without them, but yeah, yeah I mean, you know, that's definitely a, a blow, but that's a deep team. Um, they have a, a lot of other pieces um, that can do some things, but the West to me is wide open. I, I mean, if Phoenix with Kevin Durant can do what they've shown they can do and everyone can stay healthy, you know, good luck with that. You know, I wouldn't count <laughs> out the Lakers, although, uh, you know, I, I still think they have a really tough road. Whether it's playing or they do grab that six uh, spot, it's it's still a real really tough road. Um, but you know, I mean, they could get a Sacramento team, an inexperienced team, in the first round and go ahead and send them home, or even Memphis. Or so, yeah. The West is is, is crazy. The East, to me, is a lot more predictable. You know what Milwaukee is. You know what Boston is, and everybody else. Good luck. Um, so, um, to me, you know, it it comes it, it comes down to that.
1: All right. So then. So you're saying uh, I, I hear I hear what I hear is a Phoenix versus Milwaukee.
0: I, I could see a Phoenix, Milwaukee, or Boston. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I definitely think that that's that's in the cards. I mean, you know, there's not a lot of uh, surprises and shocks in the in the NBA. I think with everyone healthy and and all things equal. I could definitely see Phoenix and and, and either Milwaukee or I think it'll come down to Milwaukee and Boston, and I think that'd be a great series. Yeah. You know, regardless of who's hurt, who's not.
1: I so. agree, man, and it kind of sucks that like Denver can't seem to get over that hump, right? I mean, they have Jamal Murray well, now, uh, yeah, that, guy that, that was teams, healthy. Yeah,
0: sometimes, yeah. Sometimes teams are just beat are, are just are just built to be really good in the regular season, but and, you know, and that that's you know Denver was like that under under George Carl back in the day. They had a really good regular season team, but come playoff time, no one was afraid of them. You know, you have to have, and I'm not saying Joker's not an elite superstar. He is an analytics, uh, you know, gypsy as far as just what he puts up and what he does. Um, But I just don't think there's a lot of teams or the upper echelon teams in the West that have a lot of fear of them as either the number one seed or, you know, whatever they are. I just don't don't think the components and the other pieces around him are, are, are guys that put a lot of fear in teams. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is the year he breaks through. To me, he has to to justify those MVPs and the, and the constant MVP talk with him. Um, he has to have a ring uh, that just comes with the territory. So, you know, maybe this is a year, but I just don't think there's a lot of teams in the West that are, that are sleeping or having trouble sleeping. Knowing, oh no, we got to go to Denver and play Joker.
1: Yeah. I mean, I c- I could see them with the team that they have, you know, coming in and being able to pull off like a victory or two against some of the top teams, but pulling off four, Against even even a team like the Clippers, where you know they have you know battle tested individuals, there like Kawhi is going to take you to the wire, and you know you're just wondering what's happening, and even Golden State or stuff like that. So it, it sucks because you want them to play well, and I, I I was bummed out when you know Jamal Murray got hurt last year, and I I really wanted them like most teams, you want them to be at full strength so you can really right, right, see the right. battle, you know. Uh, but it's unfortunate that they won't be there. Uh, but you're right, the West is is it's tough. The East is is somewhat predictable, and and it's going to be some good playoffs, and I can't wait to see. Uh, the Bulls sneak in and, and take on the Milwaukee
0: Bucks for the first. Yeah, sentence. I really wouldn't be watching that that closely.
1: <laughs> it was funny joke because I saw the, the like you know the, what the the statistics say is gonna who's going to be playing, and then I saw Bucks Raptors, and I was like, man, that's that's a good series. I'm going to watch that. And then I thought I had to like pause for a second, and I was like, well, the Bulls could be there, but that's not as fun of a series as as Milwaukee Toronto. But hey, man, I I wouldn't hate a couple of extra games. I guess I would hate a couple of extra games because it's going to be frustrating to watch that, see how far away the Bulls are from some of those top tier teams in the league.
0: Yeah, and and it, it's even more frustrating knowing that there were times that year they stood toe to toe and they actually threw some punches and knocked a couple of those teams out, where last year you knew they didn't have a chance. And, and it just they just can't do it consistently. And it wasn't built like that to be consistent. That's the frustrating part, and we're we're really get frustrated is if AK says, oh, no, look at the teams we beat this year. Let's let's run it back one more year. Then go ahead and have fun with that.
1: Yeah, let's hope he doesn't. Joe, I appreciate you giving me some of your time tonight, man. Always a pleasure talking with you.
0: All right, Gabe. You take care, buddy. Have a good night.
1: Joe Cowley from the Chicago Sun-Times hanging out right here on 670, the score. I knew going into that conversation that half the conversation was just going to be general NBA because I, I never get a chance to pick Joe's brain about that kind of stuff. And I know he's so in. So it was good to hear him because I got to be honest, guys, when these playoffs start, I mean, there's two games left in the regular season for the majority of the teams. And so when these playoffs start, I didn't even get a chance to ask him about Dallas and whether or not he thinks, you know, they'll be able to, because the, listen, if there's one person that believes in collusion and, 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 and some sort of favoritism in a league, it's me. And especially in the NBA, where refs have come out and say, "Yeah, you know you, you. anyway, the point of what I'm trying to make is that Oklahoma City is in the tenth spot right now, and they're tied with Dallas uh Dallas has the eleventh, but they have the tiebreaker. You're telling me that Adam Silver hasn't talked to the referees and been like, "Hey, OKC needs to lose, and Dallas needs to beat the bulls. Like I wouldn't even be surprised because the Bulls are so entrenched into that spot, uh the tenth seat if the Bulls were to rest a DeMar DeRozan or a Zach Levine just for that game, or maybe just not play them 40 minutes or 35 minutes, maybe just give them like 28. You're going to see some Carly Jones or something like that. Just so that that way Dallas can have a surefire victory. OKC can lose and Dallas can sneak into that 10 spot. Because if Dallas goes into the 10, they play Minnesota, a game which I know they think they they can win. And then they have to play the, the the loser of Lakers, New Orleans right now. That's who's in the, the seventh and eighth spot. And they could they could beat the Pelicans too and the Lakers. They could beat any of those teams. So I know the NBA wants Dallas in the playoffs. Mark Cuban wants it. The NBA, I want it. I want Dallas. I don't want Luca Don. Luca? Playoff Luca? Do you re, have you forgot? Playoff Luca is something to watch. Must see TV. Put up 50 on you. So, NBA, the same way you gave the Bulls the number one pick when Derrick Rose is coming out, go ahead and do your thing and get Dallas Mavericks in this uh, this thing. All right? it's Gabe Ramirez, six seventy to score. On the other side, have you guys heard of or heard from uh, the NFL lineman Derek Wolf, who talked to Joe Rogan a couple of weeks ago, talked about this rage mode that he found himself in. The recipe to get into rage mode is something that you might be interested in, you might have access to. I'll tell you what former NFL lineman Derek Wolf said the recipe for going into rage mode is after the break. You're not going to want to miss this. It's Gabe Ramirez, 670 The Score. We're back, live with more Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hopefully you guys are doing well, man. It is Gabe Ramirez. Uh you know, sometimes during the commercial breaks, all I'm doing is checking Twitter. Just, just checking Twitter. Just uh, Twitter time coming up, 845, by the way. It's where we mix a little bit of sports, a little bit of pop culture. Uh, so if you follow me right now, Chicago underscore Gabe. I'll follow you back during the next commercial break. How about that? All right, so follow me right now, Chicago underscore Gabe. And I'll go ahead and uh, follow you right back. Next commercial break coming up in just a second. So I mentioned before the break that former NFL lineman Derek Wolf shared his recipe for going into rage mode during NFL games. Now, we've heard from, you know, guys like Ron Artest saying, Psh, I used to pound a fifth of Henny right before these games. And you you, you, you think about it like, a, like a, as a regular human being. Now, have I played basketball? You know, like I, I, went, I was playing ball yesterday, Wednesday, over by like Irving and Pulaski. Shout out to the fellows that we were playing with. And one of the dudes went to the White Sox game at 1 o'clock, and he was faded, my boy Betho. And Betho played basketball at, at UIC, on the basketball team. So I, that's where we all graduated from, UIC. And so we're playing, and he's so I say that to tell you how good he is and to, to, to tell you or explain to you the drop-off that happens when he's faded. Because he was like, yeah, bro, I was drinking all day, bro. And I was like, oh, man. So we're on the court, but I'm still giving him the benefit of the doubt because I've played, you know, after having some brews and maybe even sparking up a little bit. And so it's like the second play of the game, and I'm bringing the ball up the court, and he's sitting there on the wing, you know, open. And I'm thinking 99% of the time I give Bethel the ball right there. He's catch and shoot Zach Levine. Like I said, he played in college. He's that good. Tell me why I pass him the ball. It he misses it completely. It smacks him in the chest, falls to the ground. We're all laughing. Can't, he tries to get. To, he makes a move to get to the cup and like goes to lay the ball up, and all he hits is the backboard. Like it hits the backboard and just comes straight back. Doesn't hit the rim. Like missed. The point that I'm trying to make is the average person cannot play sports at a high level when they're inebriated or high, for that matter. The average person. But you hear tons of athletes doing it all the time, right? I mean, think about Daryl Strawberry. You know, what drugs they were doing uh during the games, you know, in the dugouts. Looking at, you know, some NFL players, you know they were pounding whatever it is that they were pounding, a beer or two, just to feel good, take the edge off a little bit. Well, our uh former NFL lineman Derek Wolf to get into rage mode, he would microdose. Adderall and mushrooms. First of all, all right, I've taken mushrooms once, just one time, and I'm gonna tell you, and I never, I'll, I'll never do that again, because the world looked so crazy to me that day. I hate my cousin for giving them to me that one day. The wall looked like, like it was a, a puzzle piece, like literally, like the world looked like. It was a puzzle piece that was put together, and it made me just rethink reality, right? That's my only experience with shrooms. There's other people out there. Clearly, it's like almost, I think it's like legal in Colorado. So, like, people are out there using it. And and one of my good friends, actually, one of my boys that plays basketball with me, he swears by microdosing, has it in powder form, puts it in his coffee in the morning, very small amounts. He says that it doesn't make you trip or anything like that, but it kind of gets him focused, he says. Whatever. So I can see where, you know, the focus of an Adderall, right? I've never taken Adderall, but I hear, you know, people taking it all the time. In in college, everybody was taking it. It's kind of focused. So I'm thinking if you're taking Adderall to focus and you're microdosing on shrooms, bro, rage mode is like probably like an understatement to where you were at in your world. Leo Stoddard, our, our producer right here. Shrooms and Adderall when you think about somebody taking that do you think that that's something that that you would expect an athlete to be able to perform at a high level <laughs>
0: No I mean I think they'd kind of like cancel each other out just like with all that that's crazy and then to play at the highest level of your sport too Cuz
1: then you're you're what are you doing? You're focusing cuz you're focusing in my mind what I'm hearing is you're focusing more on your trip Yeah right like you're tripping right. off the microdosing and then you're but you're Adderall but you're focused, Adderall, on, but you're focused yeah. on it I watched this video the other day, and this is why I was so intrigued by this story. Where on TikTok, it was like the the video the videographer put together a video of what it was like to be tripping on shrooms, but visually, and then there was a guy that was curating it, and you know, kind of explaining each parts of the video, and he kept on reminding people that. This is what you what you're seeing visually, but what you cannot recreate is what you're thinking internally. Right? Cause when you're tripping, right? You're thinking about these things. You're not just it's not just what you see visually. It's you're thinking then about the visuals that you see. So again, you're you have Adderall and shrooms, you've got to be thinking about your trip. Like, that's wild. And then no wonder you suck. No wonder you're not in the league no more. Bye bye, you should have taken you should have not taken the drugs. And then you might have, you know, did that. But he was on the Joe Rogan experience. And he's quoted as saying, before games, I was taking microdoses. I'm effing taking mushrooms and Adderall before I play. Dude, the effing focus is out of control. I would just like before games, I would get myself pissed off. So I would just start thinking about my childhood, all the crap I went through as a kid. And it would get me into this rage mode. It was like this crazy controlled rage. Now, see, that makes sense. The Adderall controls the whatever it is, right? It doesn't let it get out of the box because you're still, I don't know. Um, If you're wondering whether or not this practice has side effects, the answer to that question is a resounding yes. Wolf said that he had some wild things. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, buddy, I bet. He had some wild things going on while in rage mode. He goes, I was just a effing meathead. Saying wild crazy stuff to the quarterbacks. I told the guy I was gonna effing eat his kids. It was crazy. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> quarterbacks looking at him like, dude, what's up, bro? I just I didn't even do anything to you. You want to eat my kids? And then it's a trash player at that. It'd be one thing if it was like an all-pro player, like, damn, like Mike Singletary saying that to you on the other side, and you're like, oh man, 50's coming to get me. But no, it's like some bum. It's like some, some rotational lineman who had probably got in. Uh, anyway, uh, the stuff we find, the stuff that people do, man. It's crazy stuff. All right. Uh, we are going to stay in the NFL world, but we're going to get back to things that are important, especially to us here in the city of Chicago, and that is the Chicago Bears. They made a brand-new signing, and I want to go back and play some some clips from Ryan Poles and, and what his approach is with the number nine pick in the draft and what he thinks he can actually do to improve this team with the remaining picks that he has. We'll talk Chicago Bears after the break. Don't go anywhere. It's Gabe Ramirez right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone.
0: News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at 4. Doncic.